with Renee Vitale and uh, sometimes in politics, Renee, it feels like Groundhog's Day. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way of putting this story. You know, this, uh, of course, yesterday, uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy announced that he is uh, starting a committee to open a formal impeachment inquiry into President Biden. And and Parker, real quick, you, you summed it up really really well what this actually means uh well essentially from what i got out of it was he's given the authorization to ask the question whether that he should be inquired into impeachment or whether impeachment should be inquired yeah essentially it's the go-to to uh start investigating whether or not joe biden can be uh, impeach. He said the House Oversight Committee's investigation so far has found a culture of corruption around the Biden family, mainly his role in Hunter Biden's business dealings back when he was president. McCarthy skipped the customary vote. I guess mm-hmm. they're supposed to vote before to see if they sh- they, they can even start uh, investigating. Uh, Rep- Representative James Comer, the Republican chair of the Oversight Committee, he's ordering the State Department to produce documents about work Biden did in Ukraine while he was vice president and the accusations that he had a Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating the energy company Hunter Biden was a board member of getting him fired because he was investigating this. And, and Renee, I'm not smart enough to break down whether this inquiry has merit or not. He skipped an important step. But my question is, and I have to wonder, you know, how is this playing with members of the American public who don't really identify with either party? Is there impeachment fatigue? Are our eyes kind of glazing over? I have to be honest, my eyes are kind of glazing over at this point. Yeah, I mean, Biden's White House dismissed the impeachment push politically motivated is what they're calling this. Uh, The White House spokesman, Ian uh, Ian Sams, has said Speaker McCarthy shouldn't cave to the extreme far right members who are threatening to shut down the government unless they get a baseless evidence-free impeachment of President Biden either. Yeah, and and you know what? I I also wonder, I mean, is this in retaliation for Trump's impeachment and and indictments? And That's what this sounds like. Right, and and it's so funny how they they all kind of play out of the same playbook, right? What what, what was Donald Trump calling um, all these impeachments and... and, um, um, uh, indictments. He calls it a witch hunt. Right. Yesterday, Chuck, yep. Sh- yesterday Chuck Schumer called this a witch hunt. Well, it's like, well, they did it, so we're going to do it. Right. So, I, I mean, that's in impeachment. It, it's it's just getting thrown around so much. It's it's becoming white noise now. Yeah, and I mean, you also have to wonder. You know, we've got this budget deal that's looming, and if they don't reach a budget deal. By the end of the month, there's going to be a shutdown, right. which, again, something else that kind of gl- our eyes gloss over about because yep. it happens so much. But it's sort of like, OK, could you guys maybe get that done and, and then maybe you can talk about impeachment? Yeah, I don't want the government to shut down. Y- yeah. And if it does, it's happened before. It has happened. But it's like, why? Why even get to that point? Right. Why even get to that point? Let's prioritize. Yeah. And and, and on top of that, it doesn't appear that they they would have the uh, votes. Republicans can only lose four votes in order to make this work. And there are more than four Republicans who are um, skeptical of this. So we'll keep an eye on it. Um, But like I said, I mean, they. Look, I don't like I don't like President Biden or President Trump. I don't like either of them. Right. And, and I yes. think I think I think you and I echo the majority of Americans. I was going to say we're not the only ones that feel this way. We don't have a team. We don't wear a jersey. So it's like, mm-hmm. OK, 
like we said about the the Hunter Biden indictment, if they did something that would get them in trouble as a normal citizen, if they did something that would get you and I put in jail or in legal trouble, well, then treat them the same. Yep. There's consequences. Right. If not, if not, you know, focus on on the business of the people, which I know is a tall ask, but. Uh, Something that I am more interested in is uh, what's going on with the UAW. Yes, getting to be crunch time. Yep. Ford Motor Company CEO Jim Farley spoke about the latest offer with the UAW with the deadline only two days away. Uh, He spoke outside the F-150 unveiling event yesterday night, a few days ahead of the North American International Auto Show. He said we put an offer in today that's our most generous offer in the 80 years of the UAW and Ford. Pay increases, eliminate. Elimination of tears, inflation protection, five weeks of vacation, 17 paid holidays, and bigger contributions for retirement. It's a significant enhancement, and we're still optimistic that we'll get a deal, but there is a limit. Yeah, and and I don't know. To be honest, I, I'm, I'm paying much closer attention than these yeah, to these contract negotiations than I have in the past. Uh-huh. It, it feels like the auto companies... Um, with the deadline looming, eleven fifty nine p.m. tomorrow night, mm-hmm. it seems like they're speaking publicly more now. And yes. I don't, I don't know if that's because there's 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 more to speak on. I don't know if that's because they're trying to negotiate in the in the court of public opinion. But but yeah, we're hearing more from them than we have this whole time. Like you said, uh, Jim Farley said that um, uh, they have made the most generous offer to the UAW in 80 years. Mark Royce of GM said yesterday there's a lot of progress. Um, on the UAW side, they gave members their picket assignments and signed them up for strike pay, which is which That's is routine. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, but but I think it is a foregone conclusion in all of our minds that the sure. strike is going to happen. Um, one thing that I guess UAW is doing, which isn't standard and, and is kind of keeping the big three on their toes, is they're not naming a strike target. They might select um, a couple plants from each automaker. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be going after parts plants like um, transmissions or engines, which would effect- effectively shut down the plants because you can't build cars without those. Right. That's uh, kind of the heartbeat of the vehicles. Yeah. So they kind of have the big three off kilter. Um, because um, because they're not saying who the strike target's going to be. And again, yesterday, Sean Fain said that they won't strike any company that they have a deal with. And I guess I guess uh, he moved his Facebook live again till 5 p.m. tonight. So Today's going to be an interesting day. I know it's it's it, it's uh, what's the term you're, you're trying to drink from a fire hose? <laughs> um, something else that's been kind of controversial is. Um, uh, the city of Detroit is putting out these cleanliness rating systems. Yeah, so restaurants in Detroit are being asked to join a voluntary pilot program in which their health inspection report status would be displayed with a green placard. Now, the pilot begins in October, and it runs until March of 2024. So it's this joint effort between Councilman Scott Benson and the Dining with Confidence Coalition. Restaurants that volunteer will receive a routine inspection by the Detroit Health Department. If the restaurant passes the inspection, it'll receive a green placard to hang, showing everyone that they're compliant. Restaurants will not receive a placard until they are. I like this. It's full transparency that they're a good, clean restaurant. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the big uh, criticisms, it's easy to game the system, but it's it's still more information than you're getting now. 
I'm more likely to dine at that restaurant if I just see that you're a nice little clean establishment. Right. At least I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. There are some restaurants, though, that I love so much that, that I would eat at, even if they had an orange tag even though, on it. Even if you know it's a little dicey? Like, uh, you know what? I will fight through it for some Olive Garden breadsticks. <laughs> or that, that's... I, that I understand yeah. and appreciate. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, of health, uh, so uh, a foregone conclusion, CDC has endorsed the new COVID booster shot against the BA. Dot 2.86 variant. Again, we need to catch your name for that. Right. Uh, for everyone six weeks and up, uh, it might be available as early as next week. Yesterday, we talked about how uh, for the first time, this won't be given out for free. Mm-hmm. It'll be covered by your insurance if you have insurance. But if not, we're wondering how much it costs. Uh, it'll co- Oh, do we have that? Yeah, I, 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 I heard it this morning. Ju- this just in. Uh, it'll be between 100 and 129 a dose. Oof. So, uh, Oof-ta. I don't know. I might, you know what? I might just save my money and take the week and a half off if I get it. Pump the vitamin C. <laughs> it's first take with Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. <laughs> All right, Renee, I have uh, bad news if you're a fan of uh, free refills at McDonald's. Oh, no. And we're already kind of seeing this. Uh, McDonald's announced earlier this week that it will be eliminating its self-serve soda machines. Yeah, why is this? Um, Well, here's what they say. Um, uh, They're doing it to make the experience consistent for customers and crew across the chain, a.k.a. they want to charge for refills. This is not a good thing. I, I have to tell you, okay. It's not good for the, the consumers or the people that are working behind the counter. All the changes McDonald's have made has made lately are, are terrible. Mm-hmm. As a customer and a DoorDash professional, I will tell you that their service and wait time has been just terrible since they revamped their dining rooms. You know, the, the dining rooms are smaller. They've got the kiosks. I don't like the kiosks. No, there's there's no there's like not a human being up there to help you because everyone's in the back like fighting for their lives because not only do they have to deal with with the regular customer base. Now, uh, for, there's a 40 percent increase in business with DoorDash and it's just it's just it, it's just an absolute mess. You know, I almost feel like my generation needs to sort of apologize for this because we grew up on on like fast food all the time. We don't we don't know how to cook. I mean, well, I do. <laughs> I, I I'm an right. excellent chef. I hear but you the make rest a of mean garlic bread. I do make a mean garlic bread. It's the best. But my generation doesn't really know how to cook as well. So we go to fast food like it's yeah. completely normal. So they can. They can do basically whatever they want, and we'll keep going there. And the kiosk is probably due to staff shortages. Well, yeah, and Parker, we accept your apology, but yeah, Thank you're you. right. You know, there was a lot of people cheering out there um, back when McDonald's decided to put the kiosks in because they were so offended at the thought of fast food workers asking for more money. Mm. But this is what you get. And then, of course, you go to the drive through and you don't get your food right there. They always ask you to pull up to to the to a third location. And then you're waiting there longer than if you would have just went to Chili's. Right. You're, so. And you're like, I ordered a Diet Coke and fries. Why am I pulling up? This isn't a strange order. One day I'm not going to take it anymore. They're going to say, can you uh, move up to spot one? I'll cross my arms and go, no. That's never going to happen, no, Mike Parsons. because I don't want them spitting in my food. <laughs> also, also, I talk a big game like I'm a tough guy, but I'm a, I'm a, a, a tub of goo.
All right, so uh, we have a couple of uh, head-scratching stories from uh, across the political sphere. First, uh, Senator Tim Scott, uh, top GOP mega donors. They're looking around for uh, a viable alternative to Donald Trump to put their money behind, especially since Ron DeSantis' campaign uh, seems to be crashing and burning. And uh, they like Nikki Haley. They like Tim Scott. Um, but they're hesitant to put money be- behind Tim Scott um, until, quote, he reveals more details about his bachelorhood. Uh, Tim Scott, he did an interview with Ax- Axios back in May saying that he can't imagine dragging his girlfriend out on the campaign unless he has intentions of marrying her and that he honestly hopes uh, they do get married. Um, America hasn't elected a bachelor president since James Buchanan back in 130, uh, 139 years ago. And here's my question. Why? I mean, it's so amazing to me how regressive American politics can be. Would you rather someone who's who's not married or would you rather someone who's married who cheats on his wife? Why do they have such a problem with the fact that this guy is single? I actually would prefer it. The guy has more time to devote to his career is the way that I see it. Well, and that's exactly what he said. He said, uh, I probably have more time, energy, and more latitude to do the job. Exactly. And then he said, my girlfriend actually wants to see me when I come home. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I mean... And what? Why do they? Why do they need more details about it, his bachelorhood? Like, what does wh- that change about how he does his job? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, especially, I mean, if you're trying to become younger and a little more inclusive in the Republican Party, I don't know why being married has to be a requisite. What does that have to? Is it because of his values? Do you look at what his right? Do they think maybe he might not feel the pain of of families? I mean, that would at least be a viable uh, uh, excuse, I guess. But I, I don't think that's it. I think it's just the optics that everyone has to have the, the you know the perfect family. Um, okay. And then down in Virginia, there's actually a local state candidate down there um, <laughs> getting in trouble for um, being. Faithful to her, her husband, uh, a little too publicly, so to speak. Uh, yeah, she's a Democratic candidate. Uh, she and her husband, her name is Susanna Gibson. Uh, she and her husband performed live on a sexually explicit streaming site. It's called Chatterbait. <clears throat> Uh, she's a nurse practitioner. She's running in her first election cycle. She said in a statement uh, that the leaks on the online activity site were an illegal invasion of her privacy uh, designed to humiliate her and her family. The Washington Post and the Associated Press reported on Monday that the tapes of live stream sexual activity had been recorded from a pornographic site and archived on another site releasing damaging information about candidates of the opposing party into the heat of a campaign. That's an age-old political practice, but the sensational nature of the disclosure of the sex tapes reportedly featuring Miss Gibson and her husband and a lawyer is highly unusual. Right. And, and look, that's that's not something you do with your spouse. She's live. calling it worse gutter politics. Yeah, it's, it, that, that's not something you do with your spouse live on the Internet it, in, in the world of politics. It, it's it's something that you do with your mister or your mistress behind closed door. I, right. I mean, I get it. OK, it, it, it looks bad, but I mean, it was her husband. 
uh, we need a side hustle nowadays. The, the economy is very bad, <laughs> and she probably needs time to. Uh, she probably needs uh, money Fun to fundraise. Raising. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. I uh, mean, here's a, it's wh- unconventional fundraising. I don't know. I think we got to get over our hang up with stuff like this. I mean, I I have no desire to be in management. Okay, but if I were a hiring manager and I was interviewing someone for the job and they're they're great they interviewed well they're they're competent they have a great resume and i do my due diligence and i and i google them and i find something explicit of them out there that was either leaked or that they they put out on like uh whatever this website was or an only fans it would have no effect on my decision at all what i would do I would close it right away and still uh-huh. give them the job because you don't know you don't know the circumstances of of how that stuff got up there. Number one, you don't know what financial situation they were in that maybe forced them to have to go that way. You don't know if they were dating someone and and you know sending stuff between people like that's a very common part of dating now. Would you vote for this person in political office? Uh, if if I like them as a candidate, yes. Okay, so that wouldn't change your mind. No, and, and and I mean that's 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 the reason why revenge porn drives people to kill themselves because this stuff gets out there and their lives are are ruined for for the rest of their, and they're disqualified from everything from now until they die. Well, so, yeah, if if I if I either a felt they were a, a great candidate or I thought the person they were running against was so awful that I couldn't vote for that person, yeah, this wouldn't really have an effect on me. But maybe I'm a maybe I'm a little too. Uh, Maybe I'm maybe I'm a heathen for that. I don't well, know. Well, she gave no indication that she was considering dropping out of the race because of it. Yeah, and and to, in all honesty, it probably will sink her chances. But uh, yeah, I mean, she's right. Somebody somebody found it. And by the way, why do we always criticize the the adult performers and not like the customers who are creating this marketplace? If there wasn't a demand for this stuff, it wouldn't exist. It wouldn't exist. Correct. But then we always we always shame the people who are providing it instead of the people who are consuming it. Um, so we've been following this writer's strike. And uh, earlier this week, Drew Barrymore caught some flack because um, she started production of her show back up her talk show. Um, and the, the, uh, union writers, uh, who work on her show, uh, have been protesting outside. Um, and, and now other talk shows are following suit. Uh, I'm really disappointed to hear that Jennifer Hudson is crossing the picket line to, um, uh, uh, start production of her talk show again, the talk Kelly Clarkson, all these people are for some reason, in the midst of this writer's strike, are 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 starting production of their talk shows up again, and it's like, why? Are, I, I I mean, I would never, I, I I don't like to criticize other people in this profession. I'm no J.P. McCarthy. Doing a talk show is very hard, but your shows are not that important that you need to cross the picket line and to bring it back. Without your writers, exactly. It's such a bad business decision because, like you said, Renee, a. Your your main export is your personality and being likable. Mm-hmm. Your writers help you to become likable. On top of that, crossing the picket line against your writers makes you less likable. Correct. I, I feel like I, I I feel like when your job is to be liked by your audience, this is a big gamble because it's going to make a lot of people upset and it's going to make a lot less people like you. Correct. So, um. 
Come back. We're going to check in with the JR Morning Crew down at the Auto Show Live. It's first thing with Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. And Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, Jamie Edmonds, and Nick Roddy are uh, joining us live from Huntington Place. That's the name of it now uh, for the North American Detroit Auto Show. And uh, guys, are you with us? Yeah, yes, we are. We are all here. here. Good morning. Where are so if people want to come by and see you, where where are we actually located down there? We're just outside the utility closet in the far back. <laughs> <of those. laughs> um, the bathrooms. You know no, what? That's the, pri- the bathrooms. That that's prime real estate. There's probably a lot of people who fought to be there. So we are just across from the Wagoneer exhibit, but we're actually in the Ford exhibit near the Ford store. Backed up. This is kind of cool and yet a little creepy. We're backed up next to the test track at Ford, which means that as the cars they're testing come over the ramp that kind of tosses them into the air, we're right where they have to turn a few feet after that. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, so but they're so, professional drivers. They are professional. I'm sure it's fine. Well, you better but hope Ray, Ray will tell you. You do hear the squealing of the tires, and we w- you'll be hearing that in the background on all the WJR shows that are live <laughs> from here because they do make a hard right turn here, and on the concrete floor, the tires make a lovely little squealing little sound. Squealing noise, yeah. yeah. Well, just keep your heads on a swivel. I think I'm. Sh- I, you guys should be fine. You know, it. I'm sure there's less likelihood of you guys getting hit by a car than there is being a plane crash. But I will definitely say some prayers for you guys back here at the 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 Golden Tower. And if not, it'll be Mike Parsons' mornings with Renee Vitale. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want people you guys tuning are ready up. to step right we, in. We, we'll take over don't you worry we don't want people tuning out before the show starts so <laughs> they'll be okay uh, well, it is but this it is amazing there are two the the track that we're backed up to has a huge straightaway where they're going to be able to really ramp up the speeds on these cars um and really give you a neat experience and there is a ramp that is going to show you how it handles over rough terrain and things like that. So there are a lot of it. They call them activations. There are a lot of things to not just see, but to actually do and experience while you're down here. Far different from the auto Years shows. Past, yeah. yeah. So this could actually turn into JR Morning with, with Lloyd and Jamie if Guy decides to wander away and, and, and test oh. a 0 to 60 speed on that straightaway. You know it, or climb up Jeep Mountain and uh, hang from the rafters here because, at Gobo. Wow. Something I've always wanted to do. You know, Guy mm-hmm. is the adventurer, and so he, you know, if if we didn't see him, if he wasn't <laughs> around, we know he would be out doing some adventurous stuff in here. It so- sounds but, like uh, producer Nick Roddy is going to have his handful hands full keeping Guy actually at the broadcast guy. location. Yeah. I, I want to fly a drone. I want to get into the flying car, the Aleph that they're going to be introducing here later on this morning. Wow. Uh, which is it's it's a James Bond car. Oh, it, it looks like a James yeah, Bond and you can it's got that you know that carbon fiber hood and things like that, and mm-hmm. it's actually kind of see through. It is, yeah, because they yeah. So and uh, yeah, it, there's the serious like mesh. Cool. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Right. It is, and, and and fortunately I'm on a diet when it comes to the money I can spend. Otherwise, yeah. I was gonna say it sounds like we're definitely living in the future down there. Now I heard. The giant duck is not making an, a, a, a return appearance this year, but it sounds like it doesn't matter. Sound, sounds like there's enough to see or do down there. Yeah. Well, I don't know anything about a duck, but I saw some really cool cars. And if you're bringing kids down here, I saw a kid's camp in yes. the Jeep section where they could drive little cars around, which seems cool. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm jealous. I want to be down there. Um, 
So, you know, obviously the big thing that, that's, that's hanging over this auto show is this big three UAW negotiations. And Renee and I were talking about this at the, at the beginning of the show. It, it seems like the big three, the, the automakers, are becoming more vocal. You had um, Mark Royce coming out saying that there's been great progress. Um, you had Jim Farley from Ford saying that they've put out the most generous offer uh, that they have in 80 years. And, you know, my question was, you know, I, I, I've been following these negotiations much closer than, than ones in the past. Um, are they are, are these auto companies becoming more vocal just because there's more to report? Or do you think that they're trying to negotiate in the court of public opinion as we get closer to the deadline? No, they're following the lead of UAW President Sean Fain, who has been very upfront, center public, Facebook lives, lots of media posts. He's taken it to the public court of, uh, court of public opinion, and they could be silent, but then he has open field running. He has the narrative, and they don't want him just to have the, the narrative. I mean, he, he may be stone-cold Sean Fain uh, outside, <laughs> but I think inside when he's negotiating, it's, it's a little different. I mean, he's, I'm sure he's strong, but I'm sure it's not so because I said so, you know. If yeah, you want to get rid of the tiered paid system, give me a hell yeah. <laughs> uh, for, yeah, for those of you that don't know this, we actually pulled up audio of Stone Cold Steve Austin and played it next to Sean Fain, and he he's taken a lot of his style cues from Stone <laughs> yes. Cold and from wrestling. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, you know it, it sounds like it, it's very exciting uh, down there. Uh, of course, we've got this big question mark. I think everybody um, feels like um, it's a foregone conclusion that 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 there is going to be. A strike at, at least a little bit. Um, oh, there, there's those cars behind him, Renee. That's, that's the people mover. Oh, <laughs> well, that wasn't the that wasn't the flying car. I, I would not win a prize and name that sound. Um, well, let's talk about the big news of the day. Another Home Depot hot dog stand is opening up. Uh, there is that first one at the Troy location in in uh, in Troy on Coolidge Highway, and now there's a second one that's opening up. Uh, at the Home Depot in Madison Heights, and, and, and I hope they bring them back. They should have never got rid of them in the first place. I think they're fun. Give the people what they want. That's right, and they were good, too. Yeah. And my, my yeah, Home Depot, hot dog, they even share initials. It's it's a match made in heaven. <laughs> even if you're not hungry when you come up on those, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You just have to get it. Well, my, it smells. One time my wife tricked me into buying and hanging some curtains by asking me if I wanted to go to Home Depot for a hot dog. So... I think it's a good business decision yeah. either way. She used the same tactics you would use on a six-year-old, and you <laughs> fell for it. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. All right. Well, uh, stick around. Guy, Jamie, and Lloyd are going to have uh, all the excitement from down at Huntington Place on JR Morning. Mike Parsons with Renee Vitale in the United States and Iran announced a large prisoner swap this week involving five prisoners from each country and $6 billion in frozen assets. Republican Senate candidate and former chair of the House Intelligence Committee, Mike Rogers, discusses the deal with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz on All Talk. When was it, though, exactly when we started negotiating with terrorists? Uh, well, we did it again. Secretary of State Antony Blinken signed off on the deal late last week, but Congress wasn't notified until the decision until yesterday, the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks. And so this prisoner swap, the proposed prisoner swap that President Biden orchestrated with the terrorist 
nation of Iran. And essentially, Kevin, we get five prisoners for their five prisoners. But, oh, yeah, they also get $6 billion. Look, the the whole idea of we will not negotiate with terrorists is crucial mm-hmm. because if you negotiate with terrorists, it encourages more people to have terrorist behavior. It encourages more kidnappings and, and, and more uh, aggressive foreign policy moves. It, it, it puts us in jeopardy of constantly uh, being targeted. And, and, and when... It, when we're willing to to make a deal and, mm-hmm. and, and 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 turn over billions of dollars, and yeah, you can say the money's going to go for humanitarian uh, purposes, but is it who's going to yeah. decide? Who's going to follow the money? <laughs> what, what, you know, we whatever well, we've dropped off yeah. billions of dollars in airplanes before. Right. Uh, we're not following the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a, a marketing thing. And I want I want the prisoners to come home. I want them to desperately come home. But I don't want new prisoners taken right. uh, because now people think, oh my gosh, you get billions. Of dollars, yeah. if you if you you know if, if we take take people, Got a little side hustle going on here. It's bru- it's it's dicey. But let's bring in an expert, uh, Mike Rogers, Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate and senior advisor for the National Security Institute at George Mason University. Also, former congressman and former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, Mike, I'm sure it's complicated. I'm sure there's a lot more to it, but it it, it concerns me. Does it concern you? Oh, completely. And I'm not sure there is a lot more to it. So. Barack Obama started this trend, and he paid about $495 million per prisoner. Uh, and under Joe Biden and his inflation policies, apparently, and now we're paying $1.2 billion per prisoner. And what's so disturbing about this is you're right that this encourages other prisoners to be taken. So they took prisoners after the prisoner release last time. This is a cash cow for them, and the one thing that Iran was really hurting for is cash, cold, hard cash. And this, guess what? This is what's coming uh, with this payment of $6 billion. They shouldn't have taken the prisoners in the first place. Uh, this is unconventional when it comes to swaps. I'm glad that they're coming home too, but what you're doing is jeopardizing other American citizens who are traveling around the world to be subject to kidnapping because they know eventually, uh, at least in the Biden administration and the Barack Obama administration, you'll pay good cash money for them. So what are the unintended consequences of a deal like this uh, beyond the potential for uh, more prisoners being taken? Well, again, it it, uh, it weakens uh, our ability to push back on their nuclear program. So Iran is, we believe, getting closer and closer to what they call a breakout period where they can create a nuclear weapon. And there's three phases of getting there. There's the, there's the missile technology. Well, they're there. Uh, there is the enrichment. Well, in the Iran deal, they were able to keep all of that enrichment. You have to you know, zero to 20, pretty hard to do. But once you break 20 percent, it's easier to get to weapons grade, which is in the 90s. And so they've already showed us that they can do that. The hardest part is shaping it. So you have to shape that material and mount it on top of a missile. And we think that they're getting close to that. So anytime you give them relief, and this is a country that's participating in uh, supporting uh, Houthi rebels in Yemen that's causing terrorist and fighting and all of that. They're also disrupting things happening in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, these are not good neighbors. And so what we've done is encouraged all of that behavior because, again, cash is really hard. And we saw this with the last big payment on the Iran deal. They used some of that money 
uh, for their Quds forces, or their basically their version of uh, special forces and CIA combined that was doing really bad things in the whole region trying to destabilize it. So that's what you're going to see. You're going to see more of it. Uh, this is, shouldn't be a shock to anybody. We've watched this pattern before. Uh, and to do it on the day of 9-11, that is just absolutely tone deaf, and I think it's a bit insulting, honestly. Yeah, it is. I don't understand the, the, the timing of this, nor why they're doing it in the first place, because it's not like Iran doesn't have a track record. You just pointed out the history, some of it, behind that. They also fund Hezbollah, and, uh, and they fund Hamas and Gaza, and they have enemies in Israel and the United States. Are you concerned that maybe, just maybe, Iran will find a way around this requirement that they use this $6 billion for humanitarian efforts? Oh, completely. That, that is, there, there's beyond a shadow of a doubt. And again, we've seen it before uh, and how they use it, what they would term. Uh, remember, it's this, the, the Qataris now are in control of releasing the money. All they have to do is convince the Qataris that this is humanitarian aid and that money's gone. Right. And you'll never track it once it hits inside the borders of Iran. That's just not going to happen. And so are they going to use it for their elite to kind of subsidize their power base? Absolutely. Are, is some of that money going to find its way to the Quds Force and bad activities, as you said, Hamas and Hezbollah and, and the Houthi rebels in Yemen, and if the list goes on, absolutely it is. There's just no doubt. Why? Because we've seen it before. There's good intelligence. Somebody's not either reading the reports or they don't care about the reports. Either one of those are bad answers. Well, let's pull back here a little bit because there seems to be an ideological agreement between you know Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and this section of the world. Their view of Iran seems to be counterintuitive to the United States official stance against this terrorist country. And you mentioned Barack Obama famously uh, tried to do it in secret, but he dropped a plane load of cash to Iran when he was president. Joe Biden is doing this now. Is there something else going on here that explains um, Joe Biden's and Barack Obama's seemingly friendly stance towards Iran? Uh, I really don't understand it, given all of the intelligence. And listen, I, I found out about the negotiations on the uh, deal, when I was chairman of the Intelligence Committee, and by the way, the law says that they have uh, they have to keep the committee currently informed on intelligence operations, and there's a way to handle very, very sensitive information there. They were trying to go around the committee back then for the Iran deal. I found out because a foreign intelligence service called the committee and said, hey, did you guys know this is happening? Wow. Uh, and we did not. We had to call down to the White House. I mean, that's how bad this thing was, and they just did it again. They absolutely just did this again when Congress didn't know that they were doing this negotiation deal and didn't get their input. I, I mean, I, I don't understand, <clears throat> excuse me, why they think this is the right thing to do for the country. Uh, our Israeli allies are freaking out, and rightly so. Our allies in the region are getting concerned. And what it's doing is shoving the Saudis more into the arms of the Iranians and the Chinese in a way that is not helpful for our long-term national security because it just makes us look like we don't care about the security concerns of our friends and neighbors over there. And so I, I do think this has big implications in a bad way for our national security, and I'm not exactly sure why they think Iran is going to be, all of a sudden, they're going to wake up tomorrow morning and be a really good actor and love the United States. Well, when we come back a little DCMZ on First Thing with Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale.